Welcome back to another episode of the Business Hour. I'm sitting here with Asanka Brendan Ranaika. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. So Asanka is a photojournalist. Asanka, do you want to tell tell everyone who you are, what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a photojournalist. So for those of you that don't know what a photojournalist is, essentially it's um, I'm a journalist that takes photos instead of writing. That's very simplistic, but that's essentially what it is. Um, I work uh, on freelance. I'm a freelancer, so I work on freelance assignment with the likes of the New York Times, uh, Agence France Presse, um, Associated Press, uh, Washington Post, and a number of other outlets and publications. And yeah, that's in a nutshell sort of what I do here. Yeah. And the reason I brought Sankar onto the show is because I want to get his story, and it's an interesting story about how he went all in. So, Sankar, if you want to take us back to before your photography career started and your university days and talk us through that. Yeah, sure. So it started, I guess, for me, um, once I finished school, I went to uni, I was studying commerce, dropped out because I, not because I couldn't do it, I just had no interest in it. Stupidly, I went back to university and I studied something to do with computers. Like, to this day, I still don't know what it was. It was just like a complete and utter waste of time. Dropped out of that as well. So I've dropped out twice. And this university thing is obviously not working out. Like, I just, I need to find something else. Funnily enough, I fell into a job in the music business, which is quite random, but I love music. And I thought, well, this is, this is amazing. Like, how often does something like this come up? So I thought, all right, I'm going to jump at it and go for it. And that was great. I learned a lot. I um, had opportunity to work with some great people. And I developed a lot of skills in terms of, like, people management and, um, uh, problem solving and whatever else, but that didn't work out. So now I've failed at <laughs> three things, right? Um, I'm about 22, lost, completely, utterly lost. And I'm pretty much an adult. Well, I'm, an adult. I'm 22, <laughs> right? I would like, my parents aren't paying for anything. I've got to look after myself. I've got to get my shit together, right? So um, I took any job I could get at that point. And I worked at a call center for a telecommunications company, an inbound call center. And that was sort of like the real... So I look, I'm not putting that job down. I'm not putting the organization down. I'm not putting people who do that job down. Not at all. 100% not. Because it is a really hard job. Um, but for me, I just didn't... There was no, There was no motivation. There was... I could have been really good at that job if I really wanted to, but I just didn't want to. So I did the bare minimum so I could just keep my job. Yeah. But that wasn't going to last for long and it didn't. So that was, I was about maybe six months in and I sort of had this, uh, I don't know what you call it, but I just like, I've got to get my shit together. i got to find something that drives me. Because I knew there was something I was capable of doing. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, so then I, I don't know, I think you, you hit, when you hit rock bottom, you, you analyze things totally transparently, right? You sort of, go, you, because how bad, how, it can't get much worse than this. It, like, it maybe could, but at that point for me, it was, what, what would drive me? to do something 
in another career path or whatever that could utilize my skills, which at this point I still didn't know what my skills were because I've never really succeeded at anything. So I looked at my weaknesses and I was like, all right, well, what has held me back my whole life? And it's like, I have a short attention span. I, uh, I'm restless. And by this point, I realized that if I'm not interested in something, I'm not going to do a good job of it. And uh, so I put all those things together and I'm like, well, I took it back even further and I was like, well, what did I enjoy in school? I loved history. I loved international studies. Before I could read, I was looking at newspapers. I loved the news. I loved journalism. I loved, you know, like long-form journalism. Uh, shows like, you know, foreign correspondent, uh, 60 Minutes when it was good. Um, shows like that, right? It, like during the night, 60 Minutes was really, really good. Um, I was like, man, that would be a cool environment to sort of work in. So then I thought took that step further. I was like, all right, well, what area of journalism would I could I pursue? I didn't feel I had the skills to be a good writer. So I was like, well, okay, that's not a way. Um, that's left. I didn't even know the job of a photojournalist existed until when I was in school, we had to read a book and the main protagonist in that book was a photojournalist. I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool job. Like, you can around, you can you know, cover news stories and whatever else. And, uh, I could see myself doing that. Problem was, I didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know anything about photography. I'm like, so you got caught with the romance of the... Pretty much. Yeah, I got totally got caught up in the romanticism okay. of the idea of a photojournalist. So you just wanted to travel and take some photos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah pretty, much, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Pretty much. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I thought, all right, cool. Well, if I'm going to do this, I can't stuff up again. Yep. I've got to go all in. I've got to put dedicate all my energy towards this. And not just energy, resources. Um, which I didn't have. <laughs> I had no money. I had like nothing, right? So, but I thought, nah, I'm, you know, like I'm twenty. I'm still. I can still afford to fail again, right? Like worst case, this just won't work out. But I'll still be living. I can still live with my parents as much as I don't want to. It's like I love my parents, but you know, you don't want to be in their family. Um, and I just felt like, all right, this is my chance. I I think this might work. And so I'm like, all right, cool. If you're going to do it, do it right. So again, I had no idea about photography, so I'm going to learn that. So I studied that for two years and um, finished that. And then went overseas and the journey began. Yeah. So when you say the journey began, so at some point you bought a, a camera? Yeah, at some point. Yeah, at the start when I had to, when I did this course, I had to buy a camera. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then did you... Have an assignment or a job or something in mind when you booked that ticket or did you just... No, so what happened was, so I had a choice. I could stay in Australia and try and... So traditionally the way it works is you work at the local paper or your cub reporter or the, one of the big metropolitan mastheads or whatever. Um, but that, the local news didn't appeal to me. And again, like, I don't know, maybe I was... Because when you're young, you, you think really big, right? You dream big. Like, oh, no, I don't want to cover that. I want to cover the big news stories. I want to... And I, in my head as well, I was like, I, I know the people I want to work with. And it was the big foreign news agencies. 
big foreign publications uh, that I wanted to work with. I wanted to to share a, a I guess a local story to an international audience. That was like what I because that's all the stuff I would read and watch on TV was people doing that foreign correspondents in all corners of the world sharing a story for an international audience, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. So I thought, well, it's pointless. If I stay here, I'm going to have to, and there's nothing wrong with this, but I'll be working at, say, a local paper covering, you know, the grandmother who got a wheelie bin stolen or you know, the car <laughs> crashed down the road. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I'm not putting that down at all. But for me, it was like, I need to sort of fast track this a little bit. Yeah. And to work with the clients I want to work with, that won't really get me there quick enough. So how did you, so you booked a ticket, you went? Yeah, so what I did was I went to Sri Lanka because obviously I'm a song from the set and I'm very familiar with the politics there. And not just that, it was, uh, the war had finished, the war had just finished and it was the first um, election post-war. So it was a big international news story. Okay. Um, and I felt, well, all right, if I'm there during this election, then maybe I can, you know, I can tell, email, you know, agencies or small clients or whatever and say, hey, I'm here, you know, just so you know, I'm here, I'd love to do some work for you, blah, blah, As well as that, I was like, well, there's all these other papers in this country who will be covering this. So I went cold calling to all of, all of the big newspapers in the country I went to. And then they all said, yeah, we'd love to have you on board. But they, again, I had that same issue where they're like, well, you're not going to cover an election. You're an absolute nobody with no experience. Why the hell would we get you to cover this this election but then there was one newspaper that said we would love to have you on board and come at the right time and we want you to cover the election catch was at the time this is arguably the most dangerous newspaper in the world to work at <laughs> um i mean look it was called the newspaper was called the sunday leader if you google that around the period of say 2009 to 2011 You'll see what I mean. I don't want to. I could do another podcast. On Give that. us a thirty-second version because that's really interesting. Look, I, I, I don't want to sort of dramatize because it's actually quite sad. But like the, because I was in the country the year before I approached them, and the the founding editor of that newspaper, um, he was murdered on his way to work, um, and that newspaper was constantly under threat. The, the news presses were firebombed. The, I'll, I'll never forget my first day at that newspaper. Um, I, was in, I was in really high spirits. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. First time in a newsroom, this is really exciting. And, and I had been there the day before, a couple of days before, because I had to, I was to sell myself. Um, and then and everyone was quite chirpy and whatever. And, and the day I started, everyone was quite down. And then I realized, and, and I went to the editor, and I'm like, what's, why is everyone down? Oh, no, we we got another death threat. Everyone got another death threat. Like, just yeah. kind of blasé about it, but, but that was the reality. This happened so often that it was just like, that's their sort of coping mechanism. Is just a... Yeah. Yeah. So how many newspapers, just a rough number, mm. did you approach? It would have been about four, and this would have been the fifth that gave me... The, and that was the last newspaper that I spoke to. Okay. Yeah. So you approached the major ones, mm -hmm. didn't get a response, you got one, mm -hmm. from the most dangerous one. Yeah. And you took that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're like an adrenaline junkie with a camera. That's what you're telling <laughs> that, me. No, like people think that, but, and maybe it might look like that, 
Um, but no, like, not necessarily. I just knew that the stories I wanted to cover were there was that yeah. that risk involved, and it wasn't like I was. Oh, I need to do the riskier stuff. Yeah, it was just those are the stories that I knew. Because at this point, again, coming back to me wanting to work with the international press, it was like I need to cover the international stories. Yeah, and in this case, the international stories were quite risky. That's that's really like from an outsider, that seems completely nuts. That's <laughs> like to to chase your passion that hard that you're willing to put your dream job ahead of your own safety, knowing the risks and going in eyes wide open. Do you do you ever look back and just think? Yeah, like the I think the naivete of youth is a good and a bad thing because yeah. I was young, I was so ambitious, I didn't care. Not to say like I just oh there's something bad and I'm just going right into it. No, yeah. Not that at all. But I was just so determined. It I, it didn't stop me. Yeah. 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 I think that's absolutely commendable that someone would chase their passion that hard. Tell me about some of the sacrifices you've had to make living the lifestyle that you've got. Because from what I imagine, you can literally get a phone call and you have to board the plane in a few hours. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, it doesn't happen too often, but it does happen like that. So a recent example of that was when I was I was I had to cover the um, the Easter Sunday attack uh, Easter Sunday attacks in Sri Lanka. That happened uh, in April this year. Um, I'll never forget that day because I was I had a free week, um, and I had to plan. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have a golf. So I'm like, I'm gonna play golf. I'm gonna organize some rounds because I haven't played for a while. And um, then at about, I think it was about one o'clock local time, Melbourne time, um, I get all these notifications on my phone. Bomb is What the hell's going on? Uh, that was just not you know, totally unexpected because obviously war's finished and all that. So that, ha- that was at one o'clock. I booked a flight at about four o'clock. So I've gone from booking golf, golf rounds <laughs> to booking a yeah. flight to cover all events that have happened in Sri Lanka. So I don't have structure to my life. Like you try really, really hard to, but especially as a freelancer, it's really hard to have structure because my I don't have like Monday and Friday nine to five. It's Monday I'm working at, I'm waking up at you know four o'clock. Tuesday I'm starting a job at like eight p.m. It's all over the place, yep. and everything's quite. And the nature of news is obviously it's you don't know, yep. you know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's one. Um, but in terms of so the other sacrifices, I mean, there's heaps in terms of. You know, I mean, that all impacts obviously your personal life as well. Um, relationships, and yeah. Like, and for me, because I was so driven and determined, and I wanted to make this work, and I before, you know, like, I always look back at all the things I've had to sacrifice from the early days. I'm like, man, I've sacrificed too much to not put this career path my priority. And people will judge me and go, oh, well, you know, there's more important things to work and all this. But it's like, man, you don't understand. Like, I've put literally everything, yeah. every coin mm. I had, I put it towards this. So if I, like, I missed out on going on trips with friends and, you know, like overseas trips with friends, whatever it may be. Because I what I, I could have, but I knew yeah. if I, I had to, if, with that little money I had at this the early stages of my career, I had to invest that 
in my own development or my equipment or whatever it may be. Yep. So that was a, like, and I don't regret it one bit. Yep. Absolutely. And like, it's affected things like, you know, um, I mean, not being able to put certain people in your life as a priority, it hurts. But I knew it for me and this goal that I had, it, it was what I had to do. And I, yeah. yeah. I think it's hard as well. When you're, when you're chasing your dreams so hard, you put that and you sometimes got blinkers on. Mm. That example you gave of, um, you know, you're, you're preparing to play some rounds of golf. Mm. If golf was your passion, yeah, you would have played golf instead of, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. everyone, yeah. some people prefer to go out on a Friday night yeah. or a Thursday night yeah. and we're sitting here recording a podcast. Yes, yeah. that's it. it. It depends on what, yeah, what you're trying to achieve as well. Exactly. So, I hear it. Yeah. And I find that um, a lot of people sometimes they, because I do get a lot of people who ask me about, because they, they they themselves have sort of hit a point where it's like a low point in their career or they've been made redundant and they're thinking, oh, outside the box, they're like, oh, maybe I could pursue a totally different career path or whatever it may be. And then they, not that I'm like a career counselor or advisor, <laughs> <laughs> like that life coach or anything, but nothing. But um, you know, they're like, how did how did you know what? How can I do whatever? Uh, do you have any tips? And, I, and the first thing I ask is like, firstly, are you how how determined are you, and how much are you willing to sacrifice in terms of your lifestyle? Yep. Because um, that's a big one, right? Because a lot of people will be accustomed to certain lifestyle because they've had employment and they earn X amount of dollars, and that's like that. Yeah. So it's like, are you willing to drop down a couple of things? Yeah. You know, are you willing not to go on those big, you know, four week trips overseas to Europe or you know, eat out every second night? Are you willing to sacrifice all that? Are you willing to sell your car and drive a crappy car? Like these, and these are the real questions. Yep. And a lot of people sort of at that point are like, yeah, I am, but it's it's one of those things. It's like, yes, I am, or. You're not really. Uh, not yeah. really. Like I like the idea of doing something different, but I'm accustomed to this yeah. comfort, which is fine. I get it. I totally get it. But that's what's required. It's one of the. It's it's like what you said before about you're willing to fail again and move back with your parents if you had to. Mm. If you're all in, you're all in. You're not half in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't. You, you have to. I, I mean, look. There's certain things maybe where you like you know, side hustle is the new thing now, right? Yep. So you you can't. It's not to yeah. say you can't, but there's certain, I think, careers now, like, say, in my in my line of work, it's like, clients will only give me work if they know I'm dedicated to it yeah. and dedicated to the job. They're not going to give work to guys like, oh, I've got golf this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah or, yeah. you know, like, oh, sorry, man, I can't because I'm, you know, I'm working at this other job in this other totally different field or whatever, and I can't fit it in. And, yeah. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. They don't want to hear that. Tell us a little bit about the way that you've uh, networked your way to to yeah. get the clients that you've got. Because you said, you said something off air mm. earlier that I thought was really interesting about the clients that you've got now yeah. are the ones you wanted, but you never approached them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and that's, so, I had my sort of dream list of clients when I started out, like as you do, like, you know. Yeah. So you study in accounting, you want to work with one of the big four accounting firms or big banks or whatever it may be. Um, so I had my dream client list. 
um, <clears throat> what I, the way I sort of approach that. So networking is a funny one, right? Because when you think of networking, you think sleazy guy with ten business cards and a mixer or whatever it may be. I'm like, I'm not that. Like, I'd rather, I'm, I, I'd rather be myself and present myself and just form or start a conversation, friendship, whatever it may be. But uh, this whole sucking up to people, I've never done that. And I'm re- that's one thing I'm really proud of, that my career hasn't been um, as a result of me sucking up to people. So what sort of the approach, <coughs> excuse me, the approach I took was I made sure, because I, I, one thing I found out really early was it's so easy, just it's not so easy, but taking pretty pictures or whatever, that's all well and good. Like, that's important. But what these clients really want is people with experience. So, for me, like those first, say, four, five years, I worked with smaller clients where I could afford to sort of learn on the job make a few mistakes. I still have to do the job and do it well, but the pressure of working with the big, big agencies or the big, big publications who um, commission you to do world-class uh, coverage, they're not going to take a risk on a guy who's got two years' experience. Why would you, right? Yep. If you're in their position, why would you? Like, why would I waste my money on this guy who claims to be really good and talks big but, and yeah, he, he might have a pretty folio or whatever, but he doesn't have the experience. Yeah. He or she doesn't have the experience. Um, so the route I took was, I'm just going to plug away, plug away, be patient about it. Because I would always compare my work to those of <coughs> the other uh, photojournalists, sports yeah. props, whatever they may be. Um, I was always comparing the, the ones who worked at the big agencies, the big publications. They were always compare my work to this. So if, if say if I can say having a sporting event, so and so is here, I'm here, we're using the same or similar equipment, covering the same event. At the end of that match, I would always go, all right, well this is my set of pictures, this is his or hers. Why there's such a like my work is rubbish. So why on earth will I go to these big clients and go, oh, hey, I'm gonna um, I wanna work with you. Because I'm just not ready yet. So I did that, and it was really hard because it's, and it probably meant that my career was extended. Uh, it, it, it slowed down my career progression by a few years because I didn't play the game and it didn't necessarily... Yeah. I networked, but I didn't network. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, and um, in the end, now all these clients that I work with now, I never approach them. They've approached me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you ever gone somewhere where... You've had to really think on your feet or like mm. improvise. Yeah, a lot, especially um, the overseas assignments. You're sometimes you're not in, you don't know. Like, uh, there's been a lot of countries I've gone to the first, for the first time. I've never, I've never been there and I've gone there to do a story. And no matter how well prepared you think you are, and obviously it's all a short notice, so you don't. Um, can't do your research and like, oh, what's the, you know, the public transport system like and all this sort of thing. Like, you just you don't have time to 
figured all that out. Um, so you're always just trying to, once you land, it's, you're, you've got to think on your feet. Yeah. Quite often with a lot of the stuff I do, I find that doing the actual story isn't that hard. It's all the, the logistics, the logistics, the problem solving associated, get that story together. So when I'm with someone and I have to speak to them, shoot them, interview, whatever it may be, that's quite easy. Yep. Well, it's not easy, but it's easier compared to trying to organize everything at short notice. Because you might land somewhere and they don't speak English. Correct. Correct. You're so, just going to so, wing the whole lot. Yeah. So you. So then you. What I would do in that situation is, and I have is, I would reach out to say a local paper or a local journalist and go, "Hey, do you know a fixer okay. who can help me with translating or whatever." Gotcha. Um, I would always, I have, I, I love, one thing I do love about um, whatever, whenever I've been the opportunity arises where I get to work overseas is that I can mingle with some of the local journalists. Yep. Um, and not just, not just to get things or, you know, like leech off them, but get their thoughts and spark up a conversation and a friendship and, and then they will help you. Yep. And I do the same and there's people that, because you know, I, I know what that's like to be in that situation. So yeah. that that's really important because those people will help you, but you've got to obviously just make sure that you know you're doing the right thing by them as well. Yeah. Yep. Anyone that's embarking on a new journey, new business, new project, whatever it might be, they're bound to face rejection at some level. Mm. Tell us about how how you faced it and how you dealt with it. Yeah. So I. So rejection is a funny one because I think it. it, it also comes down to self-doubt as well because I was always like am I good enough that was a common question I always ask myself am I good enough um, I would get my work critiqued by and I'm big on getting yourself critiqued regardless of whatever field you're in you should always try and seek out people who are doing the things you aspire to do not your mates not people who are the same level as you not students fucking internet forums and crap like that, right? Just seek the best. Yep. It's, I know it's hard to speak to the best, but you, know, you will probably come across people who are near there or whatever. So I would show my work and these guys are ruthless. They'd be like, no, man, this works crap. And, but, but this is why. And so they'd give you a list of reasons why it was crap and it makes sense. It's like, oh, all right. So when, when I compare my work to other people, it's like, oh, now it makes sense. So what I did, because now I've been doing this for nine years, and really it's only been like in the last three, four years where things have really picked up and I'm working with the clients I've dreamt of working with and all of that. Um, but I had a, a I had, everyone has goals. What I did was I had like a five-year goal and I had a 10 year so I'm nine years, so I'm, I've, I've achieved my 10-year goal already, right? I'm not saying that to brag, but like I've done that, and that was, I think that was as a result of me setting that, that five-year goal. Yep. Um, so, for example, my five-year goals were to get, to work with some of the smaller agencies or publications um, to cover certain events, cover certain news stories, um, those were my goals, but it was also I wanted to just keep plugging away, keep plugging away because I knew my end goal wasn't achievable in five years. You've got to be realistic. Yep. You've got to be realistic. Some people just think 
Uh, I've been doing this for a year now. I think I'm right. I'm gonna, you know, I'm 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 the shit. And they're they're not. They probably have the talent, but they don't have the experience. Yep. Um, so I had to play that long game of all right, stick to that plan, stick to those goals. So after uh, five years, I sort of analyzed things. And I probably looking at it now. I may have sort of hit those goals, but I was on the right track. So I got I got some sort of confidence from that. I knew all right. Well, the foundation's been been laid. I can I, I I'm confident enough to push on, but that was the thing was it. When I, I I try to explain this to people, it's like this is how long it took. That, that sort of demoralizes them, but that's sort of the reality. Like, yeah. there's not many people I know. I mean, this is an absolute freak that can make it really work in the space of a couple of years. Yeah. So, and especially in my case, because I'm not a natural. Like, I'm not. I like you know how people say, and I hate this. Absolutely hate this term. He was like, oh, you have a life for photography or whatever. But I, I don't have that. I like, I, I'm not saying that just just because. And like, I just never had that. So I knew, uh, well, I'm already at the back of the queue because I don't have that natural talent. But I had to hack my way. And the way I hacked it was I would look at all the work that, um, all the really good photojournalists, I would look at their work. I'd look at every year there's a photo competition called the World Press Photo, which is like the, the most prestigious awards in photojournalism. And I always look at who wins. And, and I'd not just look at who wins, I'd go dissect their work, their body of work and sort of figure out why is why did this win? Why is this so good? Obviously, it looks good, but why? Like what, what, what are the ingredients that makes this yep. so good? So I would hack my way around. So I'm not ashamed to admit, like, my, I have, like, people say, oh, this is my style. I don't necessarily have that. I have a combination of everyone else's styles that I've tried to incorporate because, you know, like, if being straight up about it, it's like I've kind of copied their style. Yep. I'm not ashamed to admit that. But You've taken bits from everyone. I've taken bits from everyone yep. um, because I knew that worked for them. And if I apply those things, yeah, yep. it'll work for me. Because and again, this comes down to me not having that natural talent, that natural eye, and all of that. So for me, my workaround was: if you look at all the best people, what they're doing, and why they, uh, why their work works, use that. Use that information. It's yeah. there. It's 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 free. It's yeah. you know. It's so Sanko, if someone that was completely green came up to you. They said to you that they they don't even know what a camera looks like, and they said to you, "I want to be a photojournalist because I've got similar interests to you." What would you say to them? Give me three things. <laughs> so I get a lot of people ask me, uh, especially when it comes to sports, they're like, oh, I want to be a sports photographer, you know, but I can't get a media pass and whatever to cover. And I always, well, not always, because I get these emails quite often, I can't bother responding to all of them. But, but now that this is out there, it's good. Um, I, you don't need a media pass. You don't, like, when you're starting out, you don't want, you're, that's the deep end. That's professional level stuff. You don't want to be in that environment. You want to learn, like those professional athletes you want to photograph, where they learn, which is the local park, yeah. right? So, and quite often, you'll get better access. The grounds are a lot more picturesque than, trust me, believe me, than Amy Park or MCG or, you know, these um, concrete coliseums. Like, you, the local park has a nice background, which is a key to a good sports photograph. Um, so, 
hone your skills there, work on the basics there, and you know, figure out you know when the light is right, what's a really good background, and just wait until something happens on that cricket field or football field, whatever it may be. And then if you get that shot, bang, that's one shot in your folder, right? When a photo editor is looking for new talent, they don't care who you photographed. They don't care where it's photographed. It could be, like I said, the local park. They don't care. They care about, like, has this individual worked on their craft? Is there something there that I can say, you know what, this guy has, this guy or girl has potential? So that is, like, super important. Just You don't need to be at the big news stories, the big sporting events. You don't need to. You can, you can, there's plenty of things in your neighborhood that you can cover. And people, the people that make the big decisions will see that. They'll see yep. the talent. Right. So the second point is you should try to be humble. And I know, it's, I know it sounds so, but I find that a lot of people, and I was certainly guilty of it when I first started, you get so caught up in social media lives. It's like, oh, well, all these people are liking my stuff. I must be good. Yeah, right? But firstly, look at who's liking your stuff. If it's just people you already know, well, of course they're going to like your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right? So the, the way to judge whether you are good or not is to show your work to people who are much better than you or the people you aspire to be like. Or And believe me, if... In my own experience, they will put you down like a pig. Not because they want to, but because they'll give you a good reality check on where you stand and how the quality of your work. So don't believe or don't use the metric of likes as a um, as a, a judge on how good you are because chances are it's wrong. Yeah. So like in my case... I don't have many Instagram followers, but I don't really care. And I'm not, because I'm not I'm playing that Instagram game. But I know the followers that I do have are respected people in the photojournalism community, the other photojournalists. And for me, if I don't, like, there's, like, I know how to play the Instagram game in terms of photos, right? I could put pretty sunset pictures and all this, and, and I get heaps of likes and heaps of followers, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for my work. And if, the people that I respect like it, then that's that's good for me. Yeah. And then point number three was uh, sacrifice. Yes. Sacrifices? Yeah. Sacrifices. Yep. So, and then the, finally, the third point would be be prepared to sacrifice. And I, I know I've mentioned it before, but it, it, it's you can't achieve anything which is quite unique or it doesn't matter what field it is, but it's in particularly in, in this field, um, you have to be prepared to sacrifice because this just will not work. Um, and and goal setting, setting you know again come back to those goals. And I know it sounds everyone says that you know, set goals and it's so easy to say. And I think I find a lot of people set um, really outlandish long term goals, which is fine, which is great, or really really short term goals. And nothing really in between, or to, uh, or like say again those medium and long term goals. Setting those 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 time frames. Yep. So you know you, if you, you can judge whether you're on the right track or where you stand. Yeah. I think I think that's invaluable advice. It's not related to 
photojournalism or, or journalism or photography, that can be applied across the board. So I think that's that's great advice. We're going to wrap it up there, but we're going to leave some links in the description how you can follow Asanka and his business, his journey, and keep tabs on him. Um, and if you've got any comments for Asanka or myself, please leave it in the comments below.